This evening I want us to think a little bit about the uh, passage that we read, particularly focusing on uh, verses 5 to 7. But as a a bit of background, Colossians is a pastoral letter. Uh, Paul has written it out of his loving concern for the Colossians. Uh, They are God's people, they've been blessed. But there have been some who've risen up in the church, false teachers, who've brought in uh, their own uh, teaching, uh, and teaching that uh, not just uh, do you need to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, but you have to fulfil all the requirements of the ceremonial law of the Jews. And uh, Jesus, uh, Jesus had uh, told them that uh, these things were going to pass away. Uh, and yet uh, people are focusing on this uh, and losing sight of him. And Paul uh, is concerned for these people. He wishes that they might prosper spiritually. Uh, and he, he sought and is seeking to show them how this might be accomplished. And to, entr- to, to trust in the scriptures for all they need in matters of faith and life. And that's the important thing. Uh, not uh, these things which have been brought up by Jewish uh, Christians. So the first thing I want us to see as we, we think about this is Paul cares for them. In verse 1 he says, I want you to know how much I am struggling for you. He uh, has a deep concern for the difficulties that they are in. In verse 4, he's concerned that they should be comforted and consoled, that they might be united in love and have a full understanding of the Lord Jesus Christ and of the sufficiency of Scripture, so that they should not be deceived by intellectual arguments or or philosophical discussions. And we know that man's logic can be very attractive to people. It can be very enticing and plausible. Uh, And yet we're we're told in Romans 3.13 that that man's... uh, Words and the words of false teachers uh, are, are like poison. Uh, once poison gets into the system, it spreads. And it'll spread right throughout. Uh, in the same way that even a small bite from a snake can kill. Because the poison spreads throughout the body. And uh, so he tells us the words of the ungodly are like that. And to be guarded against. Satan used enticing words, even in the garden. The Bible says he was a liar from the beginning. And Satan is crafty and Satan is deceitful. And he can catch us out. The Bible tells us he's like a roaring lion. But more often than not, he doesn't come as a roaring lion. He comes as the the snake, the serpent. Very sly. Um, If you hear a roaring lion, you keep out of the way. You stay in. Uh, uh, Or you go in the opposite direction. But with a snake, they're they're just there. And you're walking along and uh, you can step on them because they're just there. So we need to be on our guard against the wiles of the devil and uh, the false teachers that uh, come from him. So we need to see that... uh, Uh, Paul cares for them. Though I am absent in the body, yet I am with you in spirit, he says in verse 5. He wants them to know that although he'd never met them, or even been to Colossae, he still cares for them. 
Maybe he expected uh, some backlash to his letter. How dare anyone reproach and criticize from afar? What does he know about us? Maybe they think if he cared, he would have come earlier. But Paul is in prison. He's been in prison for a while. And he's unable to be with them now. It's unlikely that he will ever be able to be with them in person because we know that he's going to die in Rome. So he reminds them of the spiritual unity of the church. Christians are one. He says, I can't be with you, but I am with you in spirit. 1 Corinthians 6, 17. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. And in 1 Corinthians 12. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free. And have all been... Sorry. My notes are not working. There we are. All been made to drink into the one spirit of God. And so Christians from all cultures from different social backgrounds and different education, different politics, different financial situations, different languages, different colours, are all one in Christ. All members of the same universal church. All members of the glorious body of Christ. And Paul wants them to know that and understand that. And although far away, he is still one with them. He's still knitted together in love. It's his love for them that makes him present with them in spirit. It's his love for them that makes him write this letter. It is important we understand he's not spouting the same old uh, cliche we often hear as an excuse for being absent from some meeting or another. Well, uh, I had something to do, but I was with you in spirit. And how often have we, we heard that? Sometimes it can be true. But how often it's an excuse and it's covering up our lack of Concern and lack of willingness to join together with God's people. But Paul is genuinely interested in them. His heart is with them. He knows all about them. He may be in Rome, he may be in prison, but he's taken time to find out about them, about their concerns, their needs, their troubles. And he praises them for their present condition and warns them not to fall back or to turn aside. So he cares. And then we're told that Paul commends them. He looks at them. And we're told he rejoices in two areas that stand out as worthy of commendation. And he mentions them. They are their order or orderliness uh, and the steadfastness of faith. And he praises their order. And what's meant here is not their church order, which is very important, but he's thinking about their orderly walk and their conversation, which should be as becomes the gospel of Christ. Paul writes that to the Philippians in chapter 1, 27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So whether I come and see you or I'm absent... I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Paul was very pleased with what he'd heard about the way they conducted themselves. He praises them for their steadfastness or the firmness of their faith. They'd withstood up till now the attempts of the false prophets 
and the teachers who sought to lead them astray through Judaism and through ritualism and mysticism. And he commends them for that. He's pleased. He'd made their stand. And then Paul commands them. In verse 6, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. It's important to see here that to receive Jesus Christ is to believe in him. In John 1.12, uh, John writing uh, the beginning of the gospel, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And they're synonymous. They mean the same thing. If you receive Christ, you believe in his name. And uh, if we believe in his name, we become the children of God. Um, some commentator has written, I can't remember who it is now, faith is the eye of the soul. It sees the beauty, glory, fullness and suitableness of Christ and receives him into the heart by faith. And that's what it is to be a Christian, to receive the Lord Jesus Christ into our heart by faith. It's not something we earn. It's not something we uh, make any uh, contribution to. We receive him into the heart by faith. And Paul uh, exhorts them, having accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, having trusted in him, that they will uh, continue in Christ. Because it's not enough just to have received Christ. It's no advantage unless they remain in him. And in verses 6 and 7, we have four descriptions of what this steadfastness of faith involves. The first thing we're told is, is to walk in Christ. The word translated walk here means keep on walking with him. It's not a, a once uh, and for all thing. It's not going for a little walk. Our, our whole walk, our whole lives are to be in him. It's an unending, ongoing process. Not good enough to start the race. We've got to finish the course, because that's the evidence that we truly are in Christ. And that's very important. We must continue in the right way. Ephesians 4, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. We're to walk worthy. Matthew 10.22 he who endures to the end will be saved. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only are people saved, but he who endures to the end will be saved. That's evidence that we truly are his people. And then when we think about this walk, how do we walk? Well, to walk in him is to walk by faith in him. It means going on in a way of believing, always looking to him always leaning on him, always trusting in him. We, we get our grace and strength from him. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing here, to walk in Christ is to walk in obedience to his word. In 2 Timothy 3, we're told all scripture is inspired by God. It's profitable for teaching, for reproving us when we go astray, for pointing us in the right path, for training us in the right way, when we're on that path. It has all we need 
to, to guide us in matters of faith and practice. God's word is, is vital. And we can't pick and choose what we want to listen to out of God's word. Uh, I had a friend many, many years ago, uh, uh, a work colleague, who said he was a Christian. But he, he didn't believe the Old Testament was relevant today. That was for the Jews. And he didn't accept the Acts and uh, the Epistles as God's word. Because they were written by the Apostles. He only accepted the words of Jesus in the Gospel. He had no real understanding of the fact that Jesus Christ is the King of Kings. He's the eternal word. He's the creator of all things. And this same Jesus inspired both Old and New Testament. He says to his people, if you love me, keep my commandments. We walk according to his word. And all of scripture is Christ's words. It's to be applied to every area of our lives. And that's what's meant by walking in Christ. He himself said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you. And sadly, uh, even as Christians, we can call him Lord and not do what he says. We'll pick and choose out of his word the the bits that we want to listen to. uh, And we forget the ones that are not convenient. So we are to walk in Christ. And then we're told we're to be rooted in Christ. And we're to be rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. So we're rooted in Christ and it's a picture of a tree. A tree has its roots going down deep into the earth. Uh, This gives it the strength to withstand uh, the fiercest of storms outside the church here. You can see there are two huge trees. Uh, They were planted uh, when the church was built. I think they made a mistake. They've planted them a bit close because they're a lot bigger now than what they were then. Uh, but they planted them uh, over 100 years ago, 140 years ago. And they've withstood many, many storms without moving because their roots go deep. In 1990, we had uh, that big storm that uh, affected the whole of the country. But it damaged the church here uh, and the both end walls of the church moved. But the trees stayed still. Well, they didn't stay still, they bent. But the, the, the roots stayed still. The trees were unaffected. Uh, and the Christian who's firmly rooted in Christ is like this. He can't be moved. But those who are not firmly fixed will fail. And they will fall when winds of adversity and persecution come. When we have these difficult times and these trials uh, that come upon us. If we're not fixed and we haven't got deep roots in the Lord Jesus Christ, then we'll fall. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Be steadfast, immovable. Always abounding in his work. 
We're to be rooted fully and completely in him. And then the other analogy here is we're told we're to be built up in him. And it's a picture of a a, a building uh, and uh, the foundations. Foundations are vital for all buildings. They have to be deep enough and strong enough to support the weight of the structure, whatever that structure may be. Uh, Without them, uh, the structure will fall. The house will lean and fail uh, at uh, any outward or inward pressure. We have the parable of the the wise and the foolish builders. And we're very familiar with it. Uh, The wise man built his house upon the rock. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. And maybe their houses were exactly the same. But the Lord Jesus Christ uh, tells us that when the rain came and the wind blew and the waters rose, the house on the sand collapsed. But the house on the rock stood firm. And that rock is the Lord Jesus Christ. We're told in Acts 4.12, there is salvation in no one else and there is no other name under heaven given amongst men whereby we must be saved. And there's a question for us. What are you building your life on? What is your salvation? What is your hope of heaven founded upon? If it's not in Christ and his finished work on the cross, it's a vain hope. It's a wasted hope because it'll get you nowhere. Because when the troubles come and the problems come, then your faith will be gone. In 1 Corinthians 3.11, we're told, no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is in Jesus Christ. And the true Christian is built upon him. In Ephesians 2, now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners uh, and fellow citizens uh, and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Those who are Christians are not outsiders. They're built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. He is that mainstone uh, that everything rests upon. And it's him, the whole building is joined together. And it's him it grows into a holy temple of the Lord. And it's him we come to. And him we rest in. We're to be confirmed in the faith through all that we've been taught. But we are built on that foundation. Uh, and we listen to what we are told from God's word. The preached word, the written word. We t- take note of it rather than those than man's uh, words. That's our foundation. We rest upon Christ and we're built up in him. And we're told we're to be established in the faith. Not just standing immovable, but growing daily. We are to grow in grace. We're to grow in the knowledge of our Saviour. It's not a head knowledge. Uh, It's becoming more and more conformed to the Saviour as each day passes. But we can only do that if he is our foundation. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Don't think that you can have another foundation. Your religion, your background, your family. 
There's one foundation. And that foundation has been laid. And it was laid at Calvary. And Christ died for sinners. And we're to remember that. So we're to be built up on that firm foundation. When we're on the foundation, we won't be moved. And then there's to be an overflowing or an abounding of God's people. We'll be overflowing or abounding with thanksgiving. And thanksgiving is the evidence of the fact that we are Christians. It's the evidence of growth. It's a sign of maturity. That our hearts are overwhelmed with gratitude for all that Christ has and is still doing for us. Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits. And what are they? He forgives all your iniquities. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from destruction. And he crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercy. Why should we give thanks to God? Why should we be overwhelmed with thankfulness? Well, he set his love upon us in eternity. He died for our sins. He was raised for our justification. He ascended into heaven, where he sits on the right hand of God even now, making intercession for us. And then one day, he's coming to take us to himself, and he's going to present us faultless before the throne of his Father with a great joy. What else? should we be thankful for. We must never lose sight of this and we must never lose sight of where our faith comes from. Christ himself is the source. It's through him all our sins are forgiven. Surely our hearts should be overflowing with love and thanks for all the benefits we have in him. Why is it that we find it so hard to be thankful We'll be thankful to others if someone gives us a present on a birthday. We'll thank them. We can be overwhelmed with their goodness to us and their kindness to us. And yet we don't thank God. We're not overwhelmed at his kindness. Uh, what do we know about the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, we have the verse up here. Though he was rich for our sakes, he became poor. That we through his poverty might become rich. That's why we should be thankful. He was willing to give up heaven itself to come to this earth, to be born in a, a smelly old stable that we might have eternal life. 2 Corinthians 9.15 Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. How does it affect you? How does it affect me? Why aren't we as thankful as we should be? We, we see all he's done. We see all he is doing. He has saved us. He has kept us. And one day, he's going to glorify us. What an amazing thing. We need to give him thanks. Thanks to God for his indescribable gift. What's that gift? It's Christ himself. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. That's the gift. And it's the gift of Christ. It's the gift of life in him. Pray that God would help us to, to think about these things. If we're his people, well, let's be those who walk with him, rooted in him, 
built upon his foundation, trusting in him and what he's done, trusting in his word, obeying his word, walking in all the ways which uh, he has commanded. And if we're not a Christian here tonight, we've not been saved. The Bible says there's one mediator between God and man. There's only one way to come to God. We can't do anything ourselves. It's all of him. Uh, And he is that great gift. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Why? Well, so that anyone who believed in him should be saved by his grace. Might not perish, but have everlasting life. Pray that God would help us to understand that and to apply it to our lives, whatever our circumstances may be.